For Arizona Public Media, I'm Mark McLemore, and this is Arizona Spotlight. Coming up, how entrepreneur Ashley LaRussa is working to improve the success rate for Black-owned businesses across the state. This year is the first in half a century without an official gem and mineral show in Tucson, how some merchants are weathering the loss. And Adiba Nelson on why getting attitude from her tween daughter often makes her smile on the inside. Those stories and more are coming up next on Arizona Spotlight. We begin this week's show with a look at how some local businesses are navigating the changes wrought by the COVID-19 pandemic. Ashley LaRussa grew up in Port Arthur, Texas, and moved here in 2008 to be part of the Arizona Theater Company. She started her own business in 2019, called Rue Events, to support the growth of organizations that foster equity, diversity, and inclusion. When the pandemic made live events impossible, Ashley LaRussa turned her attention to starting an online directory that would be the first of its kind in the state. But I began our conversation by asking her about representing her Creole heritage in her company's name. Rue, yes, spelled R-O-U-X. Rue is a culinary term, and what you do with a rue is create gumbos or etouffees. It comes about with a fat or butter, as it were, and flour. And so I wanted to incorporate those same ingredients with how I build community partnerships and how I go about structuring consultations when it comes to DEI, as well as our community events. It all takes a rue and a collaboration with community members. Rue events was definitely impacted, but when I look at all of the innovative things we were able to do in this time, online, um, as well as through e-commerce for certain businesses. It just gives me hope and resilience that we'll still be able to push through and make it to uh, 2022. So you used the buzzword e-commerce, and I want to know how e-commerce plays into the venture that you then developed, the idea of Blacks Friday, and that's B-L-A-X for those looking uh, Mm -hmm. for it online. Explain what Blacks Friday's mission is. Blacks Friday all started with a hashtag, hashtag Blacks Friday. In 2019, we started to put this hashtag whenever there was a business with a grand opening or a new product or special in a way of collectively shouting out that business as well as following a tag, following that hashtag Black Friday. So when we got to March of 2020 and into the summer, We definitely wanted to continue to support Black-owned businesses in Tucson and now statewide. We started BlacksFriday.com and Black Friday app. Thankfully, with those two applications, our community members are able to search and discover and find Black-owned businesses as well as shop with them, shopping with them virtually. So even if you are located in Gilbert, 
and this business is in Tucson, you're still able to visit our website, click on their Etsy or other, uh, you know, websites and platforms used to sell goods and products and support them. And so that's Black Friday, Black Friday every day, spotlighting all Black-owned businesses in Arizona. What's your business model for this? Are the business owners themselves perhaps paying for a listing, or do you get a cut of a sale made through your app? We wanted to introduce a different structure when it came to directories. We found that being Black business owners ourselves, we wanted to make this accessible financially. We found that many business owners find it difficult to keep up ad space. Or if they're looking at their budget and they're going, things are tight right now, but we definitely want to keep our lights on, we may decide to cut other opportunities of listings and postings that we're paying monthly. And so we definitely wanted to approach this with opportunity and accessibility. So to answer your question, we do not ask any fees to be posted. That's free of charge. We don't ask for any funds for community members to visit and search and support these business owners. We ask the very institutions here in Southern Arizona and statewide, hopefully, to help us continue this mission. We look towards nonprofits and grant opportunities to keep the website going. So if there are black businesses who have had to let go of their website during this time, they still have a home online at BlacksFriday.com. At this point, do you have an estimate of the number of businesses that are participating with Blacks Friday? We love numbers. And again, <laughs> with one of, the, <laughs> one of the values of finding out exactly how many Black-owned businesses are located here in Arizona, we have tracked every month by the numbers. And so currently, we have 621 Black-owned businesses listed on BlacksFriday.com. And our goal is honestly to, by the end of February, get to 700. And by the end of the year, hopefully, we're able to locate 1,000. That's truly one of the most important quests, as it were, is to find out how many Black-owned businesses are located here in Arizona. Census estimates indicate that about 5% of the population in Arizona um, identifies as being Black. So I'm curious as to what you've discovered uh, through this venture in terms of the impact that 5% of the population is able to make. Would you say that the Black community in Arizona is successful in the areas of entrepreneurship and owning businesses? Most certainly. I think it's in our DNA. (laughs) It's something that is just instinctively within us to be resilient. And once I truly found out that what I've been told or seen through media of what an entrepreneur looks like is truly looking back at my own history and looking at my uncles and aunts who owned a number of ventures and seeing that that entrepreneurship is something that thrives not only within the black community, but within a number of all local communities when it comes to underrepresented individuals. And so to speak to the 5% here in Arizona, about 2 to 3% are business owners and that they own a number of businesses, not just one or two, 
but truly have their hands in a number of enterprises that are uplifting the economy here in Arizona. Another thing I'm curious about is how do you find these businesses? You mentioned the hashtag that you were sharing, but I guess I'm asking you to outline your intelligence network. How, how are you <laughs> finding these people who maybe are so busy trying to uh, maintain their businesses through the pandemic that they're not mm-hmm. looking around? They may not be aware that there is something like Black's Friday available that can assist them. We look to our community partners, especially our community partners in Phoenix that are able to, through social media, go, hey, here's a new business, here's their grand opening, you know, we're here live. Feel free to contact us at info at blacksfriday.com or visit blacksfriday.com, that's B-L-A-X, friday.com, and leave us a note. We have a keep in touch open search bar if you want to receive our newsletter or to directly contact us. My guest was Ashley LaRussa, founder and owner of Rue Events and the Blacks Friday Network Directory. The annual Tucson Gem, Mineral, and Fossil Showcase draws a global audience to our region and contributes tens of millions of dollars to the economy. But the show was canceled this year due to the pandemic. So some merchants are trying to salvage what they can. Tony Paniagua has the story. While living in Los Angeles in the 1990s, Mikal Mael discovered a brilliant world that changed her life. What began as an intriguing attraction turned into a passion and career. My name is McCall and I'm the Queen of Rocks and I import rocks, minerals, crystals and even fossils and statuary from around the world. I've been doing it my own. I'm the first female, actually single female in this business in this in this level. She established Mikal and Company, Nature's Art Decor, when she was 29 years old. Two decades later, she's still at it in spite of the unexpected and painful coronavirus pandemic that began last year and is still lingering. The 2021 Tucson Gem Mineral and Fossil Showcase, which is touted as the largest of its kind in the world, was canceled last month. It's another coronavirus-related setback on her industry. Oh, it's huge. I mean, this show is probably about 70% of my income. So this show means so much to us. First of all, we supply, we're the supply chain for the whole world. So this is the only place that you can get something from Morocco, from Brazil, from Uruguay, from Russia, from Europe, from South America. And I don't think people understand how lucky they are in Tucson and Arizona to have such a huge mecca of crystals in their hands once a year. But Mikal is trying to adapt to the unexpected circumstances. Instead of maintaining a base in Los Angeles and waiting for shows to resume in different cities so she can travel to them, she decided to rent a 10,000-square-foot warehouse in Tucson. If possible, she'd like to find an even larger permanent location in this city. She wants to be closer to the action in a more expansive and relaxed atmosphere. It's not so stressful here. It's kind of, it's nice, it's refreshing. And in LA, it's always about the hustle and bustle. And I was like, wow, this, this is getting very enticing. Her current space at Main Avenue near University Boulevard north of downtown Tucson is open to the public. 
She hopes at least some people will visit in person, even though a growing segment of the population is using the Internet to find and buy their sparkling gems. 2020 was a very interesting year. Uh, first of all, we were very lucky, very fortunate that we got to finish our Tucson show before the shutdown. That would have been devastation if that happened. So we lived off of that money for that year. Now, I found that Internet, the IGers, the Instagrammers, the Facebookers, they're doing phenomenal. A few blocks north of Mikal and Company, Kulin Pande is working at his family's leased warehouse on Main Avenue near Speedway Boulevard. Superb Minerals, specializing in items from India, was established decades ago. Pande says the COVID era has been the toughest one so far. Like our first Tucson show for the family was 1994. That's how long we've been coming, or the family's been attending the Tucson show. So it's, it's a big deal for us. And 75% of our revenue comes from the Tucson Gem and Mineral Show. So just three weeks worth of show, which officially is just two weeks, but for a dealer of our size, it goes for around a month. We open up 10 days early and we stay open for five days even after the show. So it's 75% of the revenue for our entire year that comes from the Tucson Gem and Mineral Show. Pandey is cautiously optimistic about the future. He says gems and precious stones may be rare and valuable, but they are also decorative or collector's items, not essential for everyday living. Therefore, people have to feel comfortable with traveling and mixing with others once again. And it's been almost over a year since we've had no shows at all. So it's not just the Tucson Gem and Mineral Show, but we used to do three shows in Europe, two in China, and other U.S. shows like Denver and other places, but all of those have been canceled. And earlier we thought it would only last for a few months, which kept on extending, extending, and now we are at the verge like it's been a year since last Tucson show, and we're not having a show. And while the Internet has helped, he says there's nothing like the annual showcase that brings thousands of people to Tucson. The selling, he adds, is only part of the experience. It's, it's more of a like a social gathering and like family, the, the entire family gets together to celebrate the joy of mother nature. So because at the end of the day, it's just an art by nature. Back at her warehouse, Mikal is focused on the days ahead. I think that if everybody says enough is enough, let's get this country back on its feet. Uh, yeah, we'll be here. And I know I'll be here, but, you know, it's, it's really uh, depends on what's going to happen in this next, I think, in the next few months. Nature's creations have been good to her, she says, and she'll continue to carry their positive energy beyond the pandemic. For Arizona Spotlight, I'm Tony Paniagua. You can at least see some of these jewels and minerals and learn more about the economic impact of the canceled gym show on the next Arizona 360. That's Friday at 8.30 p.m. on PBS 6. Next, an essay about parenting and keeping pace with your child, even when they go places most parents would probably prefer to skip. Adiba Nelson is a Tucson-based author and activist and an independent contributor to this show. I'm Adiba Nelson, and this is The Word. My daughter is disabled, and she's definitely a tween. You're impossible. Two words. 
Two words that showed up on the screen of her communication device were all it took to solidify the fact that yes, I do indeed have a tween living in my home. I mean, there were other things that kind of clued me in. There was the slamming of the bedroom door by forcefully rolling her wheelchair into it when I sent her to her room. The locking of herself in her bedroom, again by rolling her wheelchair into said door until it closed, then parking herself behind it so no one could enter. And, oh, how could I forget the tears that flowed that Thursday afternoon and just would not stop? When I asked her what was wrong, all I could get was, I don't know, entered into her communication device over and over again. But this declaration that I am impossible, well, that sealed the deal. I had graduated from mean mom to impossible mom. I could argue with her, you know, get into an 80s sitcom back and forth where I'm shouting that she's the impossible one and she just continuously presses the your impossible button on her device. You're impossible. I could ground her for being disrespectful, even though she really wasn't. Or I could accept it and secretly revel in the expression of tween rage. I decided, with all my impossible mom wisdom, to acknowledge her declaration of my incredulousness. I turned and looked back at her. I'm impossible? I could barely keep it together. Yeah! She said this one out loud, not wanting to waste time looking for the yes button, but wanting to make sure that I absolutely knew she was serious. Huh, I told her, you're probably right. I probably am impossible. I can think of two ex-husbands, one mother, and a handful of ex-friends who would probably agree with you. But you see, kid, the thing is, none of them are here right now. It's just you and me. We're stuck together. So if this is impossible, (laughs) well, honey, you're probably going to think the next seven years are downright unbearable. Sorry, kid. And with that, my 11-year-old gave me the steely-eyed glare I instantly recognized as my own, then looked down at her device and pressed one more button. Bye said the childlike voice programmed into her device. My child was done with me. I just looked at her, threw up the peace sign, and walked out. Peace out, homie. I exited her bedroom, closed the door behind me, and went straight to the kitchen to pour myself a glass of wine. What had just happened? Whom did I encounter in that bedroom? Was this payback for the intolerable cruelty I put my own mother through from ages 11 to 13? Nope, it wasn't any of that. It was confirmation. Confirmation that my daughter is just like any other girl out there who is learning to navigate the horrors of changing hormones. She's crazy about boys and vintage 90s junk, just like so many girls her age. This insult, if you will, because I'm pretty sure she believed she had gotten me good with that one. It just affirmed for me that disability does not negate personality. To be honest, she has been affirming this notion for me since the day I got her official diagnosis of bilateral schizencephaly and cerebral palsy. 
The doctors told me that the schizencephaly would probably affect her ability to produce speech and her motor planning skills. The cerebral palsy would affect her motor planning skills, muscle tone, and balance. And although all of this is true, neither diagnosis has affected her personality. And thanks to the wonders of technology, we're all able to see it on full display, whether we like it or not. And if I'm being completely honest with you, I don't like it. I love it. Seeing my kid act like this sometimes may give me a few, okay, like 20 extra gray hairs, but that's nothing a good weave or braids can't cover up. The freedom she gets to just be a typical tween with a personality all her own, a whole human being capable of feeling emotions and experiencing life and expressing herself. How beautiful is that? I can't punish her for that. Don't get me wrong. She doesn't get to act like this all the time and think she can get away with it because she's cute and disabled. (laughs) No, no, honey. That's not the way it works. With freedom comes responsibility, and with responsibility comes rewards or consequences. This child of mine is fully aware of what is right and what is wrong, and when she's really wrong, I waste no time in getting her really right. I'm still the mom. She's still the kid. And disability or not, there are still norms, rules, and expectations I have in place for her. And I need her to know this. It is imperative that she knows this. It might even save her life one day because sadly, the society we live in is incredibly ableist. Many people are surprised when disabled people make a joke or assert themselves or go on a date or get in trouble or do anything that relates to the most basic human lived experience. That is the embodiment of ableism, not seeing past someone's disability. It's okay to acknowledge the disability, but you must also acknowledge that there is a whole human being attached. Too many times, society has failed to afford kiddos like mine the gift of being whole human beings, even when they tell us we're impossible. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to figure out how to take the new Zac Efron special out of my Netflix queue. If this kid oozes and ahs over his chest one more time. You're impossible. Adiba Nelson is also the author of a children's book called Meet Clarabelle Blue, and she's currently writing her memoir to be called Ain't That a Mother. This essay was published in the Washington Post. In January of 2020, which was before the pandemic, and thus seems like a long, long time ago, Singer and songwriter John Coyneman came to the AZPM studio to share music from his album Under the Sun. The first tune he played that day has stayed in my head during the long months since, with lyrics that seem even more meaningful as the world keeps changing. Here's John Coyneman with Love is Everywhere. This is for the innocent ones In the prison yard For the wayward sons And the battle scar This is for the wanderer In the old cafe For the lonely girl And the runaway 
and you told me love is everywhere Oh, I remember there were times I could almost feel it in the air And now it seems as if there's almost too much suffering for the world to bear And it seems as if so many of us can't find love anywhere And this is for the old ones who are all alone For the refugees who are far away from this is for everyone who is struggling to be free for us and them for you and me oh i remember long ago when you told me love is everywhere I remember there were times I could almost feel it in the air And now it seems as if there's almost too much suffering for the world to bear And it seems as if so many of us can't find love anywhere But I know it's there La 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 Oh, I remember long ago You told me love is everywhere Oh, I remember there were times could almost feel it in the air And now it seems as if there's almost too much suffering for the world to bear And it seems as if so many of us can't find love anywhere But I know it's there That was John Coyneman recorded in the AZPM studio. You can listen to an interview along with his complete spotlight session at azpm.org. Thank you for listening to Arizona Spotlight. The show originates from the AZPM radio studios. AZPM's interim news director is Duncan Moon. The music is by Calexico. The production engineer is Jim Blackwood. Production assistance by Yasmin Acosta. I'm producer and host, Mark McLemore. Arizona Public Media's original programming is made possible in part by the Community Service Grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.